Hello and welcome to SlayerFest98. I am your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I have with me my lovely co-host, wrestling aficionado and the Duchess. Latoya Ferguson. Hi, Ian. Hi, Latoya. Do you want to tell everyone uh, what episode we're about to introdu- introduce? This is our Stacey Abrams episode. Yay. Yeah, we recorded this intro after we already did the episode, so... um. As Latoya said, we'll be going back in time. <laughs> time, time, time. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really excited for all of you to hear this. Uh, we kind of just jump right into the interview because we had a limited time with um, Stacey Abrams. And uh, without further ado, here you all go. Hi, this is Stacey Abrams. Hi, Stacey. My name is Ian Carlos Crawford. Um, I host the podcast Slayer Fest 98. And this is my co-host. Hi, Latoya Ferguson. Hello, hello. Thank you for taking time out to want to talk to us. Happy to do it. One of my favorite topics. (laughs) As it is ours. Yeah, I'm sure you're crazy busy today. (laughs) Just wanted to let everyone know that uh, Stacey Abrams is taking time out to talk to us the day after Super Tuesday. So uh, we really, really appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) So we always ask first time guests to give us their Buffy origin story which is how they came to the show, if they remember their first episode, kind of their first thoughts on it. Do you think you could give us your Buffy origin story? I can indeed. I was in law school and to come back to Atlanta for a summer clerkship, I was crashing with a friend of mine to like find an apartment and I was watching her television and saw the opening credits of Buffy and thought this looks interesting and ended up sitting on her floor, ignoring her and her roommate, both of whom wanted to watch something else on their television because <laughs> I found the show so fascinating and I became a Buffy aficionado from there on. Nice. I will nice. also say that I had watched Sarah Michelle Geller as Kendall on All My Children, which is why when I saw her on the screen was drawn immediately to watching the show because she was one of my favorite characters on All My Children. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and uh, what are those episodes that you would consider your favorites of Buffy? You know, the ones you go back to often whenever you're rewatching. So Always Hush is just a beautiful vision of good. Uh, the Body, which is probably the, the saddest episode other than, of course, when she has to, when she finally, she and Angel finally consummate their relationship and she wakes up to a darkness. Ugh, yeah. So those are the three. Speaking of Angel, uh, as the resident, I guess, Angel expert on the podcast, I have to ask uh, what your thoughts are on Angel the series. Watched every single episode from beginning to end. Love the series, Angel. I think it was grossly underrated, had some of the smartest, most clever casting, and mm-hmm. loved every minute of it. I agree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we interview a lot of people who never watched Angel, and it's always kind of surprising because I feel like they complement each other so well. Oh, it's the perfect compliment. And the fact that they were able to bring Chris McCar- Charisma Carpenter over, the way they reintegrated Wesley and gave him this different aspect. I love Christian Kane's character on the show. And I think much like Buffy, its finale is one of I would actually say the Angel finale has the one of the best lines of any show that has ever ended. I've always wanted to play a dragon. On this podcast, we always stand Cordelia. So yes, I agree totally yeah. about Charisma Carpenter. She brings such such a like perfect tone to Cordelia where it's like she is a mean girl, but she has so many layers. And yeah. I don't know, I think she has one of the best like character arcs on TV. Exactly. No, I think she 
I just I think she's an extraordinary actor. And to take a character who began clearly as a quasi-villain, but to always imbue her with such heart and hopefulness. And even when they, I will say this, an angel, when they turned her into a material being, that was probably one of the weakest moments of the show. But even that, she managed to transcend. Agree. Okay, so we we have to... Have I have a chat with my cred. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> I, I do think it's underrated. You know, it starts off a little rough, but I think Buffy did too. And I, I think that's okay for a show starting to be a little rough at the beginning, but it gets so good. Absolutely. And I mean, you, you have to take a show that is so steeped in mythology and create an entirely new arc. I think that Jay August uh, Richard did such a fantastic job of bringing another dimension to the show. And so mm-hmm. in each space, they took what were, I think, legitimate weaknesses of Buffy and turned them into strength for this new iteration without ever having to try to become Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that's, I think, a great testament to the writing that has been done by Joss Whedon, but also just the capacity of those writers when they created Angel to ensure that it had its own universe to live in, but never failed to pay homage to its original, uh, to its origin story. I That that was very perfectly put. Um, I agree. Uh, I always say the show, I think the show, I mean, Joss Whedon, of course, is the creator, but I think the show is a sum of all of its parts. All of the writers, all of the actors, uh, it like hit that beat where they just happened to find all the perfect actors for the roles and all the perfect writers who knew who felt like they understood the universe and the like the characters themselves. I don't know. But so what about Buffy would you say resonates with you and also makes it like still hold up in 2020 and makes it still so rewatchable? Buffy was always premised around an idea and not a character. And what by what I mean by that is that the character of Buffy got to be so many different things without it ever seeming discordant. Because too often you stretch the bounds of a character by trying to make them inhabit so many different places or so many different ideas. And when writers do that to themselves, the credibility of the character falls apart. The way Buffy was constructed, she was designed to have to be so many different people and have to grapple so much. And so the fundamental core question of who she was, her, the ideal of the show was that it wasn't about this girl who happened to have these superpowers. It was about the battle to become who you needed to be to survive and to be successful. And because of that, every iteration of who she was, even in the, you know, when she got to college, when it got a little weaker, they were able to recapture what could have been lost by always going back to the fact that she was never supposed to be the static character who only fought. She was always, on this internal journey of how to overcome, no pun intended, her demons to be <laughs> successful. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, it's funny. I think the show often, depending on where you are in your life and like what age you're at, you can relate to different parts of the story and different characters. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you come back to, again, surprise, you know, the episode where she yeah. and Angel finally get to be happy. We've all had those moments where the thing we thought we wanted most turned out to be the thing that is the source of our destruction and our greatest unhappiness. When she you know, fell in love with Riley, 
the, you know, you find the person that you think is your complement and you realize that perfection isn't what you're looking for, that the thing that looks like what's right for you may not be enough for you. Uh, you know, even the darkness when she was, I, I now I love Spike and I know there's, there's a lot of Spike you know, despising in the world. I love Spike. And I think even that relationship is just one of those things you can come back to again and again, because sometimes you want the thing that is so bad for you, but it's so good. <laughs> so, well, speaking of your love of Spike, we know from a past interview that you are a, a fan of the Buffy-Spike relationship. Could you talk more about that? Yeah, and I, I don't think you have to choose between Buffy and Spike and Buffy and Angel. Buffy was a different person with each one, which is why her character can, it's why her character is so extraordinary. It's why people can come back and watch it again and again, because she legitimately was a different person with each person. She's even a different person with Riley. But with Spike, Spike challenged her. Angel idolized her. Angel adored her. She was always going to be perfect, even her flaws were things he he delighted in. Spike was not only her enemy, but he was her antithesis. And by pushing her, he made both of them better. And she did the same for him. And particularly in that last arc, what I loved was that he recognized that the wrongs he had committed, the, the, the evil that he had done couldn't be washed away, but that didn't absolve him of the need to atone. And that relationship created this space for us to acknowledge, yes, you can make mistakes, terrible, horrific mistakes. And even if you can't make it right, that doesn't mean you don't try. And I loved that her character created that for him and that we saw him explore these other facets of who he was because of the love she was willing to give him. Huh. Plus, I just think yeah. James Monsters is an amazing factor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our listeners are going to love that because we often upset uh, them with our Spike opinions, but they'll love that. <laughs> <laughs> they will. And let me tell you, that man is still very charming and very good looking because I interviewed him last year and woof, I, I found like 19-year-old me was still like fanning myself about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> so, I mean. But so we have to ask, of course, ask you this question. Who do you think Buffy would vote for? I think Buffy would vote for winner. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> that is a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> do you think there's any characters on the show, even villains, that would vote for Trump? I think if Drusilla got, uh, if Drusilla ever got citizenship, she would. <laughs> uh, and I'm absolutely certain that Professor Walsh, Professor Walsh absolutely would have been a Trump supporter, probably would have ended up in his cabinet. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that you came with the hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> Just say it. Because <laughs> we, we've had that discussion before on the podcast, and some folks thought Anya might, and I just, I really don't. I was like, mm, I don't think yeah. Anya would. Anya wouldn't vote. I mean, she, <laughs> she would be, it's a pox on all your houses. Why would I bother participating in this? sport of kings when I would rather just kill you all and you know boil your blood so no, I don't think Anya would speaking of politics uh what uh, I guess Buffy hero or even villain do you think would make the most effective politicians Riley would have been the best politician uh, not a villain just he understood I mean he's gorgeous he's charming he knows how to both take orders but also be in command he has a core sense of integrity, but he was fallible. So I think he absolutely would have run. I think more than likely, 
I could see Xander thinking he should do it, but then suddenly realizing, <laughs> nah. Yeah, Riley would essentially be the Manchurian candidate, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Exactly. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of Riley, but now you've, you've swayed me that, yes, Riley would be good at that. <laughs> <laughs> this is calling what do you think uh the mayor would think of the current like state of politics since he was actually a politician so here's about the mayor the mayor <laughs> yes he was a demon who sold his you know sold his soul but the mayor believes in taking care of his people yes he would have to eat some of them every so often <laughs> but he actually wanted to serve the people sometimes serve them for lunch I think that he would be he would be appalled by today's politics, because mm-hmm. if you remember, even in his darkest moments, he was always there were these parts of him where he was always trying to do what he thought was the right thing for his community. Uh, completely and totally wrong about it, but his you know his caretaking was legitimate. True, true. He did love Faith. He did treat her like a daughter. He did. He did. I always go back to that line. I think it's in Graduation Day when he's like telling the vampires like, oh, like this is what we'll do to slay like all the students and blah, blah. And then he stops and is like, and keep the cursing to a minimum. <laughs> exactly. Got her chocolate milk because she needed milk for her bones. Yeah, what? <laughs> but, but if you look through all of the, when he, they go through the, when, they, when um, Oz discovers <laughs> the records and they're going through the records of all the times he was mayor, like you realize, like this is someone who not only sees it as a seat of power, but took the power seriously and tried to use it, yes, again to take over the world, but also to serve the people as he did it. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying go, I'm not saying that's a good model to follow. <laughs> I try to I try to be fair. <laughs> and I don't know if you're familiar with the writer Jaina Spenson. She uh, yeah. wrote for the show starting with season three, and she gave us a few things to ask you. She said she wanted to say that she admires you and can't wait to watch your State of the Union someday, but also to ask you, Buffy has faced many setbacks as she has had successes, but she saved the world a lot. Are setbacks a necessary part of a hero's path? Absolutely. I mean, look, I, I would, I've said on occasion, I am like the best loser I know, <laughs> uh, despite not achieving the goal that I had in 2018 part of my responsibility was to look at even that outcome as a way to galvanize my next iteration. And what I love about Buffy, what is so cathartic about the show and about who she is, is that she was always making mistakes. She was always stumbling in her pursuit. And what made her so not only relatable, but admirable was that she didn't gloss over those mistakes. They weren't episodic they were a through line for who she was and her hero's journey was made stronger because she actually understood what was at stake it wasn't this i'm invincible and therefore i need i'm only doing this for others it was i'm fallible and i have to do this not only for others but for myself Okay, so that's that's a really good answer. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of in awe of uh, how I just want to talk about Buffy with you forever, Stacey Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> of all the programs you champion, you know, which would you say seem to be the most in line with the philosophy of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? So when I was running for office, we spent a lot of time talking about entrepreneurship and apprenticeship. 
making sure that people had access to the ability to become what they needed to be. And I think that would, that would be Buffy's, you know, absolutely something she'd believe in. Because of Giles, because she was not only an apprentice to his training, but also learning how to be a better person, I think apprenticeships and just education policy would be top of mind for her. As much as Buffy bemoaned being in school, I was always pleased that they showed her taking the SATs. They showed these flashes of knowledge and learning and understanding from her. And so I think education policy would be top of mind, but also having some skills you can use just in case school doesn't work out. I love that. Thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on the podcast so much. Tell everyone if you have any closing thoughts, even political-wise, Buffy-wise, closing thoughts on how everyone can move forward in this hellscape we live in currently, and also where they can find you and what you would like everyone to look into. So I love Buffy for so many reasons, but what season seven reminded us of, we've seen glimpses of it before, but we are all potentials. No matter how dark and dismal and despondent we may be about the state of our lives, the state of play in politics or anywhere, we have all been given imbued with this potential to be more, to be just as strong, just as smart, just as capable. And so I want us all to think about 2020 as an opportunity for us all to be activated. We don't have to wait for a savior. We can save ourselves. And I'm trying to do that through fairfight.com, faircount.org, and seep.org. Fair Fight is about saving our democracy. Fair Count is about ensuring everyone is counted in the census. And SEEP is about making sure that in the South where I live and love that people have the policies they need to be stronger and better. And I think Buffy would approve. Well, thank you so much. This has been really inspiring. I appreciate your time and your voice. Yeah, thank you. Likewise. Well, this has been delightful. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, everyone. And that was our interview with Stacey Abrams. Holy crap, she was great. She's awesome. (laughs) Um, We love her. And uh, you all know where to find us. If you want to find me on social, I'm at IanXCarlos. Uh, if you want to find the podcast, we are at SlayerFestX98 across all social platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. And if you want to support this podcast, uh, you can find us on Patreon. It really helps keep the podcast going. We appreciate any and all support. Latoya, where can everyone find you? Everyone can find me on the Twitter at LaFergs, uh, and then you can find my writing and such. I will post about it there. Don't you worry. Yeah, don't worry. We we, we post a lot about our stuff. Um, thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you all next time. Bye.